invite you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. I was struggling on how far we were going to go today. And then I was hanging out with Steve this week and he said, boy, we're so thankful for the church. We came here and um, Steve Sullivan, Steve back there. And uh, he said, a uh, few Steves here. We got to be careful with Steve. We said, so Steve, and he said, you know, well, we're glad that we came to this church. We came here. You were in Ephesians and you're still in Ephesians. <laughs> and so I said, we'll be done another year and a half. So don't worry. And, and uh, actually, no, but we're going to try to go through this uh, slow and really um, look through this And what we want to talk about today is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and on. We're going to get to verse 17 today, and then Lord willing, do 18 and 20 to 21 next week. Um, But pay attention to your walk. And and what does that mean? Well, let let me ask you a question. Why is it so hard to pay attention? Because we have kids. We have kids. What distractions? There's a lot of distractions, right? Can you think of any other distractions in the world right now? It's a big one. You know, God has a sense of humor. Katie and I were, we put together the PowerPoint together and, you know, she helps me out and I, you know, give her my notes and stuff and we talk through it and all that. And we're going through this. Why, why is it so hard to pay attention? And boom, I get a message on and she's like, what's the next point? And I'm like, all right, one second. And then I'm talking to her and she's like, what's the next one? And I'm responding to this person and I couldn't pay attention to her. And really, that's what we got. I mean, that happens. Uh, how many times have you gone on a date for your anniversary? By the way, if you bring your cell phone, you're in big trouble. Or if you do, put it on, do not disturb. Um, but how many times are we on a date together? We try to talk to each other. Bing, 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 bing. The phone starts ringing or something happens. I never do that to Rick and Karen when they're eating. And so, uh, <laughs> in fact, I, I really get them bad. So it's kind of like, uh, uh, as soon as they sit down for dinner, hey, Rick, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Just to test to see if they respond to me. Some people say, I don't respond to my cell phone. I don't need cell phones. I don't even have a thermometer in my house. If it's cold, I send the dog out. If it comes back cold, it's cold out. If it comes back wet, it's raining out. I don't need a thermometer. Yeah, we had we knew a guy like that in Iowa. I hope you're not like that. Where was I? How do we pay attention? Why is it so hard? Some guy got accused of ADHD. He's like, no way. I don't have ADHD. I have a dog. I have a cat. I, have a, I like to play. He starts naming all these things he does. We so. I was studying out what is ADA. We didn't even know what that was when we were kids. Right? Now everyone has it. But if you, if you look at the symptoms, we all have it. Let me name some things that people with ADHD struggle with. Uh, inattention. Do you ever uh, forget where your phone is or forget where your wallet is or forget where your key? You have the ADHD. You ever do an assignment at school or at work and you forget that it's due at a certain time or you forget where you even placed it and you don't even know where it is. You have ADHD. Uh, I mean, we all have ADHD. I was looking at different things, social uh, disorders that they have, ADHD. They have a hard time being quiet when they have quiet time. Like they can't just read without being quiet. They got to read and tap and read and you know, move around or read or have something like, anybody like that? that we want to, any, any testimonies here? You might have ADHD. I think we all have symptoms of ADHD. It's hard to pay attention. 
Amen. <laughs> We've all been, we all have a little experience of that coming here to Whitefield Community Bible Church when you come up those stairs. Have you noticed something about the stairs? What have you noticed about the stairs? Let me see if you really do pay close attention. One stair is what? A little taller. Do you know how we know that? People have gone on trips here. And I tell them, we'll see you next fall. But they actually go on and they, they go on. I've seen it. I saw my father-in-law go flying one time. I'm like, oh, no, now he's never going to come to this church. He just hit the stair and he went, whoosh, and he went over there. Rick's falling down the stairs. People, how many have tripped on the stair? So now I know, look at this. It's a testimony time. That's no joke. That little inch. I mean, when I go up there, I, I go one, two, three, four, up higher, five, six, seven, eight. I know. I know now. I know what's going on. But some know, and especially new people, I always get scared. When new people come to the church and they're all excited, you know. Whitefield Community Bible Church, we found a great food. We're never coming back here again. Forget this church. We're done. Cam, did I warn you? I warned you, right? We have two cams here today. But Cam, did I warn you? This cam here, I didn't know. But you know, the fifth stair is an inch off. Who did that? Who did that? Where were we? Okay, why is it so hard to pay attention? Watch this in verse 15 here. He starts off by saying, be careful how you walk. Now, the English doesn't do justice to how it is in the Greek because really there's two Greek words that tell us that we need to be very, very careful, accurate on how we are walking with God. It is, it is so easy for us just to go through the motions, to get into a rut, to go back into the old habits that we really don't think about how our walk with the Lord is. We, we go, go through the same devotions every day, you know, and I'm in the same thing and I'm, I'm studying this out and my mind is not really going through it, but I'm going through it. I'm just going through the motions. Or it's Sunday morning and I, I come to church and I'm just going through the motions. I'm not being careful on how I'm walking with God. He says here, we need to be careful. We need to analyze the details of our lives. We need to, to stop and think about for a moment. How is my walk with God? So let me ask you a question before we even move on. How is your walk? Because there's only two options. Either we are walking closer to God or we are walking further away. There is no one stuck in the middle. We're either moving towards God or we're moving away from God. So how is our walk? Is our walk getting cold? Are we going through the routine? Are we watching how we are walking? And he is going to tell us in this passage how to be careful and how to be accurate. We have to look at the details and analyze the details of our walk. Notice this here, what he says here. He says in the, in the very passage, he's going to mention three things. He's going to say, not as this, but as this. Not as this, but as this. Not as this, but as this. Notice what he says. He says in verse 15, here's how you ought to walk. Not as unwise, but as what? Wow. Wise. Then he's going to say this. Not as foolish, but understand what God's will is. And then next week, Lord, when we get to it after I have a schnapps, not drunk... <laughs> Did you get that one? <laughs> but filled with what? The Spirit of God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. 
with my whiskey bottle right here. No, no, not one amen. But here's how we have to be careful. Here's how we have to be accurate. Here are the details we ought to look at. In verse 15, he's going to tell us a few. In verse 17, he's going to tell us a few. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll look at verses 18 to 21. He's going to tell us what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. But notice this here in the passage. Pay attention to your walk. We need to live wisely. Notice the first thing. Therefore, be careful. Pay attention of how you are walking. Analyze the details. Look at the facts. Be very careful. Here's why. Not as unwise. What does an unwise person do? An unwise person doesn't seek any wisdom. An unwise person just makes decisions based on how they feel at the moment and they can care less about anybody else. An unwise person is ahead of God. An unwise person is behind God. It's two ways we can be. An unwise person just makes a decision on a moment because they think that's what's right and they can care less what anyone thinks. My Lord willing, we're going to be seeing one of my cousins here in September. Um, she was a very close cousin of mine, uh, Jennifer, an Italian. Um, and uh, she was married to a guy who wouldn't work. He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't support her. He wouldn't do anything. So she married him anyway. She can care less. The marriage lasted three months. Three months. It's an unwise decision. But yet she didn't seek counsel. She didn't do it. She just went out at the moment. That's what an unwise person does. He says, be careful how you work. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Take God into consideration in his plan. You say, how does a believer gain wisdom? It doesn't just come to us. This is something that, and, and wisdom, he's not just talking about the, theoretical knowledge and just knowing a little bit more about the Bible. He's talking about how to know the Bible and how to put the Bible into practice in daily life. That's hard. Somebody says, well, I know what the scripture says. I just don't know how that applies to my life. Well, then guess what you need? Wisdom. He says, don't walk as somebody who is unwise, but walk as someone who is wise. And how does a believer gain wisdom? Are you ready for this? Look at what it says here in James 1.5. We ask for it. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? This is simple, by the way. This is wisdom 101. Somebody says, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know. what." The first question you ask him is, have you prayed about it? Have you gone before God with this? It says, let him ask of God. And what does God do? God gives to all what? He never gets upset at this prayer. God, what should I do? How do I apply this to my life? What should I do? You ask him. He'll tell you. He gives it. You say, how else do we get wisdom? I like this one. We surround ourselves with wise people. Look at this verse. He who walks with wise men will be what? But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Isn't it amazing on how many young people get into trouble because they violate this verse? They hang around with fools. And they ask their friends advice that want nothing to do with God rather than going to godly people. And what happens to them? They start acting like fools. But guess what? If you hang around wise people, guess what you will be? You will be wise. 
Surround yourselves with wise people. Surround yourselves with people who have character, who love God. And they'll give you some wisdom here. I'm, I'm thankful that we're in tennis season now. Um, I'm praising the Lord that baseball is over. It was exciting. And the tennis team at Whitefield Community, uh, Whitefield Community, Whitefield High School here, um, now has a new captain. And his name is Johnny Estrema. Amen. Yeah, takes after me. I mean, come on. Yeah. The captain, my own son, now pressure's on. Right? He's the example. He's the leader. He's the person that they're going to go to and look at. And I praise the Lord. He's a silent leader. He's a silent leader. He leads with his example. Surround yourself with wise men. And guess what? You will be wise. Notice something else of how we get wisdom here. We, we, need to, we need to search it in God's Word. Look at this here. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making what? Wise the simple. I like that because really the word simple there in the Hebrew, in, in, in Spanish, we would call him a salami. You ever meet anyone that was a salami, just didn't know stuff? Just, you know, you call them, don't be a salami, you know? You know, you're a salami, you don't understand stuff? Well, a salami is somebody who just can't put the facts together. But look what it says here. The Word of God can make a salami wise. They can understand things and put things into practice. It's not only knowing the Word, but we also act on the Word. Notice what Jesus said. Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine, and what? Acts on them. You say, I want wisdom. Well, you know what God says. Act on it. And then you will have wisdom. But really, the passage is talking about this. Don't live as unwise. Live as wise. And how do you know if we're living wise and we're being careful with our walk? Here it is, right in the text. It says right here, we make the most of your what? Time. Let me tell you something. Time is not on our side. Before COVID, we were living like we had all the time in the world. Now we know our days are what? Numbered. It hits people differently. Not everyone that gets it. A lot of people that get it don't die, but some do. We just don't know. Our time is so short. And what's interesting about this word time here is there's two different words for time in the Greek. There's one that talk about a sequence of events, the things that happen, like seasons, it's winter time, it's summertime, it's all this kind of time. That's not the word here. The word here is kairos, which is for specific time. What he's saying here is we need to seize the day. We need to take advantage of those moments that we have to shine light on other people. We need to look for those moments and take them and not let them get by. Because if they get by, they're gone. Here's what he's saying. Making the most, redeeming, buying back, paying the price, grabbing it when we can. Why? The days are what? Great? The days are evil. And what he's saying is we're living in a morally corrupt world. And it is just getting darker. I feel sorry for the post-millennialist. I got one amen in the back. They think the world's getting better. Look around. <laughs> I, I, get, I get a chuckle out of people when they talk to me. Oh, I can't believe they took prayer out of school. There's a lot more going on in schools now than taking prayer out. 
Try sending your kids to school when they're hearing about the critical race theory and gender equality and we go down the list. And they're not only told that those things are not wrong, but you have to support them or you are wrong. It is getting worse and worse. What's going to happen for my grandkids? And I want a lot of them. Amen. <laughs> now, one amen in the front row. <laughs> Cam and Hannah, a couple of my kids are here, so he knows this. <laughs> Where was I? Okay, the days are evil. The days are, we are living, can I say this in a nice way? We are living in the end times. And you look around, you see all the things. I cannot believe the political, liberal political leaders, not only in this country, but in all the countries that are getting, getting supported and voted for. We are going down a road. It is amazing. What is stopping Jesus from coming back right now? And so here's what we ought to do, knowing that we're living in a dark world that is just getting darker and darker. Here's the exciting thing. We got to look for that moment to shine light and grab it. Because if not, it's gone. I, the last day, every, every time baseball season ends, I get a little bit of a downcast and, you know, feel bad afterwards, you know, just like, oh, did I do my best to be a light? with the baseball coaches, did I do my best to share Christ? Did I do my best? And you always have that day or two of beating yourself up. But the very next day after baseball season ended, an unsaved coach out of the blue sent me a religious text and asked if I was covered with the blood of the lamb. And did I have it in my veins? I mean, the text didn't make biblical, but it was biblical in some sense. So what an opportunity. I wrote him right back, has your veins. Are you covered by the blood of the lamb? And it led to a great conversation. Not once could I have that conversation the whole baseball season with him. And yet God allowed it in that moment. And boy, got to grab it. Looking for the most of the opportunities, the times, even though it's getting corrupt and darker, the more important the light the darker the night, the more important the light, the more important it is to come alongside a kid and talk to him about gender equality and the critical race theory and all these things. The more important it is to shine light on your neighbor who doesn't believe there's a God or if he does believe there's a God, he believes you can't even know that God. The more important it is to seize those moments, grab them and share Christ. You say, but it's so hard, Jeremy. We're living in such a hard world. No one wants to know. And then you start throwing a pity party. Let me give you an example here of somebody in the Bible. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.12. How would you like to be in a dark, damp dungeon? Chained and you can't move. And look what he says here in Philippians 1.12. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, I'm in a dark, damp dungeon and I can't do nothing for Jesus. Will you pray for me? Is that what he says? Look what he says. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for what? The greater progress of the gospel. Let me tell you, the darker the night, the more important the light. And here he is in this dark, damp dungeon, chained, 
And yet the gospel is going out more and more. Why? Because look what it says in verse 13. Here comes Petey and here comes Paulie and here comes all the Italians and the guards here, the Roman guard. Here they come to him and they have to guard Paul. What a great job that is, right? And so they go to guard Paul. And what does Paul do when they come and guard him? They, he gives him the gospel. And then a few hours later, they had to change guards and here comes the next one. Here's Petey. Come, and he gets the gospel. And here comes the next Italian and the next Italian and the Roman guy and they're coming in and all of a sudden he's just giving a gospel like this. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me to this dark, damp dungeon. Now I'm sharing the gospel like never before. But here's what's great. Verse 14. Not only that, that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment now have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. His life was inspiring others. Chalmers has been through a lot in life, right? I mean, born in 1904. <laughs> oh, is it 24? I get those mixed up. But born around then. Think of the things that he's seen in his life. If anyone has any excuse in this room to say, you know what, we need to stop sharing the gospel, it's him. We live in a world that used to be where you can go out and have Gideon Bibles in hotels, Gideon this, Gideon that. We can give Gideon Bibles everywhere. Now he's restricted. But yet, guess what he's doing? He's still trying to build relationships and give Bibles to people. That inspires me to keep going on. The darker the night, the more important the light. Don't hold these, don't say these circumstances are, oh, now we just can't share. Now we can't get in the schools anymore, so they're done. We can't mess with them. Now we can't talk to our neighbors because no one wants to. Now we can't do this at work or I'll get fired. Now we can't do, no, there's moments. We need to look for those moments. We need to walk carefully and we need to grab them. But they're there. And a wise person perceives that. So the question is, are we seizing the day? Are we grabbing a hold of those moments? One person wrote, the saddest words of tongue and pen are the words it should have been. How many of us have been there? I have, more than I would like. God got a hold of me when I was first a Christian. I worked out with a guy. We used to go in the gym together and work out. It still shows 20 years later. <laughs> Not one amen, but all that work for nothing. I worked out with these guys and we used to work out, a guy and a girl, we'd, we'd work out, we'd work out like crazy. And they got drunk one night and got into a car crash. He died, she survived. You know, all those times, and I don't know how many times it was we were in the weight room, not once did I talk to him about Jesus, not once. And I thought, what a wasted opportunity. God got a hold of my heart. Then here we are 20-something years later and here I am coaching with somebody and boom, his son and he dies. And I think how many times, I, I praise the Lord, I did get to talk to him about the Lord, but how many times did I take advantage of those opportunities? We need to be walking wisely, carefully, accurately, looking and seizing the moment. They're there. They may make a, just a little statement and say, you know what, all this smoke, what in the world's going on? Oh, you think that smoke is bad? Let me tell you about the smoke that comes up from hell. Yeah, and change the thing. That's the stuff you don't want to be at. And share the gospel. Seize the moment. Rather than being like them. 
and complaining with them. You say, Jeremy, I need that really more than that. I need to live wisely. What else does Paul say here? We need to understand God's will. I love this. So do not be foolish. He's going to use another word. You know, it's kind of interesting how the Lord calls people fools in the Bible. I mean, you really don't want to read some of those verses in it because it's not very hard work. But it talks about fools in the Bible and foolish people in the Bible and how God would just be direct and call them fools. This is interesting. He says, do not be fool. A foolish person is like an unwise person. They make decisions not thinking about God. But in the Bible, if you really study this out, let me just give you a couple examples of foolish people in the Bible. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, you are foolish people. And he said, you know why you are foolish is because you think that you can do things on the outside and gain favor with God when God cares about the heart. You're fools. And yet they're trying to do all these external things to gain favor with God. And he says, you missed the most important matter. You missed the heart. How many people are living like fools in our world today? Trying to gain God's favor. How about this one? I like this one. God calls the rich, successful farmer a fool. Why? Because he was all about himself. And I'm going to build bigger barns and get all these things. But he forgot about others. And he forgot about this. One day we will die. Then what? And he wasn't ready for the afterlife. And God comes to him and says, you are a fool. And then he says this. Who's going to use your stuff when you're dead? You ever think of that? <laughs> Who's going to wear your shirts when you, they're given the goodwill? Who's going to drive your car when you're gone? He didn't even think of any of that. And what's going to happen to your soul? He didn't think of that either. And then Paul, I love this. <laughs> you ever wonder, before I tell you what he does here, you ever wonder what happens to a body when it dies and how God's going to do all that? Anybody ever wonder about that? You know, say somebody gets blown up in a plane or say something like that. Whatever happens to a body. Ever wonder about that? Or somebody gets their head. Say, be honest with you. Ever wonder about it? Don't be scared. Fool! That's what he does. <laughs> this guy set you up for that one. I love that one. He's like, you fools! You don't understand that death is not the end? That God has the power to resurrect the body in 1 Corinthians 15, 13, That it is necessary that someone should die. And then they enter into a celestial body and they have a celestial home. This is great for them. And yet we live like fools making death a tragedy. And oftentimes it is a tragedy. But we look at it and we say, wow, it's the end. I'm never going to. No, it's not. It's a comma. It's not the end. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 36 is so easy to live like a fool. But he said, these are foolish people. He says, don't do that, but understand the will of the Lord is. I love this because what he's saying here is you need to understand, not know God's will, understand God's will. Use your mind. Use the facts. Understand. Use your brain to know God's will. People treat God like the divine Easter bunny. And they're going on an Easter egg hunt to find his will. And they say, okay, I'm just looking for God's will. Let me see. Let me see here. Oh, I found it. And so they need dreams. Oh, God, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden they had a dream. Now I know. Or they need a vision. Or they need to see his face in an enchilada. I mean, I've heard some dumb things, but that's like... Yep, I'm working for Taco Bell. I saw his face. 
They take random Bible verses for God's will. Do you know Katie's verse when she met me was Genesis 4.1. I got a man from God. <laughs> Is that out of context or what? Oh, one single girl was the best. She would use Jesus' words. If any man come after me, let him. <laughs> we could use God's word for anything we want. Yeah, I've been looking for God's will. God, where are you? I'm putting out a fleece. Lord, if you're in this, move that cup. Move it. Wind blows. Yeah! <laughs> I remember one time praying because I got dumped because a girl didn't want to go to move to New York City and live with me, and I thought that's where I was going to go. I remember crying out to God, how am I ever going to find a girl that wants to go to New York City and live with me, God. And I go in the bookstore, and this girl goes, where are you from? I said, New York City. She goes, I love New York City. <laughs> there she is! <laughs> She's it! I asked her out. She dumped me three days later. Anyway, <laughs> it's amazing how we figure out God's will. We treat them like a little like we need voodoo dolls or something. Somehow we got to figure it out. When he tells us what it is. And we need to use our minds, gather the facts, examine them, weigh them, pray over them and go for it. You say, Jeremy, what is his will? I want to know his will. I want to understand his will. I want to figure it out. Well, the Bible tells us. Let me, let me give you a couple of things. I love one of MacArthur's books. He, he puts it, found God's will. It's not lost. It's in the Bible. You can find it. But here it is. You want to know God's will? God wants you to be saved. How do I know that? Because it says here, he wants everyone to be saved. He desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So when you look at an unsaved person, they say to you, I want to know what God wants out of my life. Look at him in the eyes and tell him with compassion, God wants you to be a believer. He wants you to be his child. He wants all men to be saved. You know what else he wants? He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, he says he wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be holy. In fact, some guy wrote a book about marriage and he said, what if God is more worried about your holiness than he is your happiness? How about that for marriage? He wants you to be sanctified. God wants you to be submissive. How about this for those who don't want to wear masks? 1 Peter 2, 13 to 15, it says we need to submit to every human institution. Wow. You say, why? Because then it says, I love this verse, we will put to silence the ignorant people. And then it says this in verse 15, for this is God's will. Huh. Remember that the next time you're sitting there and I ain't going to wear this thing. Who do you think you're talking to? You're not going to control me. That's not how you silence them. You silence them by submission. Look at the next one. <laughs> we don't want this one. God wants you to what? Suffer. 1 Peter 3.17 says, For it is God's will. It is better, it says. If it's God's will that you suffer for doing what is right, then suffer for doing what is wrong. 
Sometimes when it comes to God's will and we have two choices, He wants the harder path. Not always. But sometimes. And then how about this one? The last one here. God wants you to say thanks. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for your life. You say, but Jeremy, doesn't tell me, should I work at FedEx or UPS? Should I marry an Italian or a non-Italian? Well, that's an easier decision. If you have two choices between an Italian and a non-Italian, go with God's people, amen? <laughs> marry the Italian. You will enjoy it better. Life will be spicier. You will have pasta and meat sauce. You will have life. Go with the Italian. <laughs> yeah, you will be a little bit heavier. You will go on the pasta diet. You know that one, the pasta diet? You go pasta the refrigerator and you don't eat? <laughs> Got some bad ones today, huh? But it doesn't say anything. Should I go to FedEx or UPS? Should I go, should I marry Katie or the other one? Should I, should I do things? It doesn't say anything about that. What school should I go to and all that? So here's what we do. You ready for this? We use our minds. And we say, Lord, is it violating any of these points here? If it's violating any of these points, it's not God's will. Well, I think I should go beat up my neighbor. That probably doesn't pass second point. I want you to be holy. I'm going to uh, rebel against the government. Probably doesn't get past the third point. Unless they're asking us to do something that's unbiblical. Well, I don't know. Should I go to this one? This job looks a lot easier than the other job. A lot less pain, a lot less strain, a lot nicer. And all. Should I go to that one? Well, maybe the fourth point. God wants you to grow, and so he has something for that job. Are you able to be thankful, or are you going to be miserable your whole life when you do that decision? That doesn't pass the point. But then are you ready for this? If it doesn't violate any of those points, go do what you want. Eat the hamburger instead of the hot dog. Go work for FedEx instead of UPS, amen? Marry the non-Italian... Well, don't do it. Marry someone. Go and do it. Don't be this mystical all of a sudden. Use your brain. Set things out. Figure things out. They don't violate. And just go do it. Understand God's will. Understand what God is doing. Or maybe ask this question, God, where would you be the most glorified in my life? Yes. Remember a, a pastor who, a teacher, it was one of my professors, he, he had two churches go after him at the same time. And one offered him a full pastoral package. He would have a house to live in. He could support his family. And the other one, he had to drive a bus he had no money. He wouldn't be able to support his family. So he said he weighed the two out and he said, you know what? I'm going to go drive a bus. Now we were like, why didn't you choose this? <laughs> this? This was it. He goes, no, this was God's will for my life. Wow. Use your mind. Analyze the facts. Examine them. Pray over them. Ask for some counsel. And delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You say, Lord, I want to glorify you. I, I, I want you in this. I want your plan. But don't sit around. Here's the, here's, the, here's the two problems we have with God's will. Some of us run ahead of God's will. 
and we don't even pray about it, and we don't even think about it, and we're just gun-ho, there's the ADHD in us, and now we're this impulsive, we're doing it. That's why I love my wife, because she looks at me and says, uh, are we going to pray about this? I'm like, oh. Okay, we will, we're done. Come on, let's do it. And then there's other people that are just so slow to take make a decision. I'm praying about it. I'm asking God about it. Maybe I'll ask her to marry me next year or two years from now. Do it! No, no, no. It's too early. We've only been dating 18 years. we got to wait a little while. We don't want to rush into things. I'm praying about it. I don't know. Just do it for crying out loud. The Lord calls it this in the Psalms. I love it. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule. The horse runs in front of God. The mule needs a kick to get going. Don't be like that. Know God's will. Understand God's will. Use your minds and make a decision and do it and seize the day and go after it and just pray. Should I work at Lowe's, Home Depot, or Big R? Should I go to McDonald's or Burger King or Arby's? All these, where should I go to college? Who should I, all these, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. They don't violate any of those. Guess what? You can be in God's will at Lowe's, at Home Depot, and at Big R's. Guess what? You can be in God's will at McDonald's and Burger King. You can be in God's will marrying an Italian or a non-Italian. If it doesn't violate those things, you are in God's will. Just go for it. Go for it. Somebody told me one time, she said, yeah, I married this guy. I don't know if I did God's will. I said, the moment you said I do, you're in God's will. There it is. He's the one. Now, if you don't want him to be the one, pray that he dies. <laughs> hey, that's the easy biblical solution, right? You want to be biblical? Just don't put something in the food and pray. <laughs> Seek him. Pray about it. And here's what I love when it comes to understanding God's will. And this really hit me. One guy once said this. When God asked me to do anything, anything, or even I think about him asking me to do anything, my immediate response is yes. A lot of us, our immediate response is what? No, there's no way God would want me. No, no. Have an open heart. Maybe he does want you to do that. So God, here I am. Then you use your brain, you gather the facts, you examine them, you weigh them, you pray over them, and then you pick. I love walking Ellie through this as she picks a college. It's been frustrating because where is she going to go? This and that and that. I said, Ellie, gather the facts, examine them, weigh them, pray over them, and in the end, choose you're still in God's will. Whether it's Master's College, Boyce College, Bob, well, Bob Jones probably not, but other colleges, you weigh the facts, examine them, pray over them, ask counsel, and just go. Well, I don't want you to go yet, but just go. <laughs> and don't super spiritualize God's will and treat him like a voodoo doll. You have to have all these visions to know what it is. 
Just go after it and understand it. You know why? Because we don't have time to be playing around. The days are evil. And too many of us are like these mules that are just sitting there praying and thinking about things but end up never doing anything. And that's not God's will. There are people all around us who need Jesus. There are moments all around us to shine that light. The question is, are we taking advantage of those moments? And next week we're going to see who we really need to help us when we make a decision for God. We need the Spirit of the Lord. Not the bottle. We need the Spirit. As we get our hearts together...